Welcome to another show of NFT Hype, where we go through the industry's ups and downs, I guess you would say, from uh, the hype cycle to the bus cycle to all the cycles in between. But what we're here to do is not really hype anything, but talk about the technology behind NFTs. Today, I think there's a topic that uh, is much on the top of everybody's minds, and that is Ethereum NFTs versus Bitcoin NFTs. So this is what we're going to talk about on this episode. Thanks for joining us today. This episode is brought to you by BitcoinArt.ai, a Bitcoin and AI art project inscribing on Bitcoin. The first piece was inscribed recently and depicts the dark days of the COVID panic, where Bitcoin dropped over 36% on March 12th, 2020, and the SAT was mined on that date. So an epic, epic historical event with a meaningful canvas. Check it out in the link below. Now on to our topic at hand. Ethereum NFTs versus Bitcoin NFTs. What do you need to know? Now, so there's many different differences that you'll see uh, when comparing these two different technologies, but they all sort of boil down to these main things. And I will run through them as fast as I can uh, and get you as much knowledge as you can, as I can get you in the in 15 minutes or so about the differences between Ethereum NFTs versus Bitcoin NFTs. The top five things or the top 10 things will will go through as many as, as I feel like you need to know. The first is the network. So fundamentally, Bitcoin is on the Bitcoin network. There's Bitcoin addresses, there's Bitcoin wallets, there's different exchanges, there's just a different currency that you have to hold to be able to buy Bitcoin NFTs. Now, the same goes for Ethereum. If you want to buy Ethereum NFTs, you need to be familiar with the Ethereum network, the wallets, the addresses, how to transfer, all of those different things. So there's a learning curve with each. I'm not going to go through everything that you need to know here regarding them. It's quite well documented, but you will have to spend some time familiarizing yourself with the different wallets, uh getting used to transferring, how long it takes, fees, all of that stuff. And join our Discord, and if you have any questions, you can ask there. Or just do a quick Google search, search and find out how, what the different ways to access those networks are. Now, I will say one thing else about network effect, or the network, and that's network effect. So the number of holders of each protocol or each blockchain, the number of users, the number of active users are quite well different. Now we know in terms of market capitalization, Bitcoin is roughly uh, probably three times as big as Ethereum. But if you look at sales volumes on NFTs, you'll see that Ethereum still ranks uh, around Let's see what it is today. Check in CryptoSlam.io. 
$4,372,000 today on Ethereum network. And the Bitcoin network is significantly lower at one around 200,000. So what that tells you is that first off, these are the two largest networks in the space, in the crypto space, but the majority of the trades are still happening on Ethereum, even though up to two thirds of the trades happening on Ethereum are wash trades. Roughly looking at CryptoSlam.io again, 3 million of the 4,372,000 are wash trades. So active users, active buyers, another main difference of the network, and that's something that you would have to consider. Who are these people a part of the community? What are they like? What do they like to collect? Different audiences, different use cases. Um, that's another main difference. The other main difference is immutability. So what that really means is the ability to change something once it's on chain. There are gray areas in Ethereum that allow you to change things when they're already on chain. For example, updating metadata, which is part of a smart contract. Bitcoin, on the other hand, does not have native smart contracts. And thus, once you put something on chain, there's no real way to change it. So there's that fundamental difference there. Ethereum, you can think of the smart contract as the the holder, the manager of the NFTs below it. So you can use that smart contract to issue a token or an NFT collection, whereas Bitcoin, you don't have that central manager. It's just raw data on chain. Now, there are ways on Bitcoin where you can associate provenance to a certain collection, but there's no logic layer that's happening on the side of the Bitcoin network uh, NFTs, whereas on the Ethereum side, there is a logic layer there that can potentially uh, centralize the, I guess, the management of a particular collection. For example, CryptoPunks, Board API Club, they have an owner who owns a smart contract that is the owner of the Board API Club collection. That owner could do specific could could do specific things. They could stop trading of the NFTs. They can, I guess you would say, locks on them where you cannot trade them if they think that uh, it's been stolen. Uh, there's ways to also change metadata. Maybe they could update the text on the collection so it's not Board Ape Yacht Club anymore. It's something else. Uh, they can change labels. There's certain things that can be changed on the Ethereum side, which you can't do on the Bitcoin side again. So that's immutability. Now, there are ways to have smart contracts on Bitcoin, but they're not native to the Bitcoin network. And anything that's using smart contracts on the Bitcoin network is can be a layer two solution. Now, regressing here, the... The meaning of Bitcoin NFTs really are just ordinals right now. The majority of the activity is happening on something called an ordinal, which is a way and a client that was used on the Bitcoin network to be able to assign 
uh, IDs to all of the Satoshis on the Bitcoin network. What it essentially does is provide a non-fungibility layer, uh, giving a specific Satoshi, a specific asset, a specific unit of a of Bitcoin, a label. It's that's all it's doing. It's just giving it a naming system, and also being able to associate some data to that Satoshi by inscribing it within a certain field. Uh, in the Bitcoin protocol. I won't get too technical. So uh, there are other types of Bitcoin NFTs. Uh, Counterparty was considered one at one point. Uh, stocks, they're, they're, they're also considered like, I guess, layer one and a half, layer two, where there's some sort of smart contract abilities and, and some sort of logic layers there that happen. But at the end of the day, the users really, 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 really found it very beneficial to be on layer one. And that's why ordinals took off, because it was just assigning a label to the assets that were already there, aka uh, Satoshis. And that's why people find that uh, it being more native to the layer one is more desirable. So so far we've gone through three different differences of Bitcoin NFTs, aka ordinals, versus Ethereum NFTs, the network protocol, the immutability, and so far uh, some talk about smart contracts. I will say one last thing about smart contracts on Ethereum is that they're not entirely bad per se. They have very, very great use cases. You can do tickets, for example, on Polygon or or Ethereum uh, that mimic real-life tickets that you go to a ball game for. And sometimes you just need to, to, to do some interesting things with the logic on the back end. Maybe you need to uh, spend a ticket or you need to uh, mark it as sold or mark it as uh, um, invalid or spent. There's just certain things that smart contracts enable that are just not possible on Bitcoin unless there's another layer of logic added. So reiterating, no one thing is better than the other. However, there's certain things that collectors versus builders versus users value, and there are certain things that they don't for certain things. For example, art. People just love the fact that Bitcoin is immutable. There's no way to change it once it's on chain. It's on chain. It seems to be more secure. And therefore, they don't want to have a smart contract on the on the back end of that. They just want it to be raw on there. And it's an asset. It's, uh, it's, it's tradable and it's uh, secured and uncensorable and all of that good stuff. So there are good points and bad points. But art and tickets don't really have the same commonalities in terms of infrastructure. So there's certain things that work better on Ethereum versus work better on uh, Bitcoin. Now, the other thing, on-chain versus off-chain JPEGs. So JPEGs are what NFTs are considered to be because it's a visual aspect. A ticket doesn't really necessarily need a fancy JPEG, but a piece of art does. If you had a... 10 megabyte beautiful image of 
beautiful scene that took 10 megabytes. It's implemented differently on Ethereum as it is on, on Bitcoin. On Bitcoin, it's entirely on chain. You would need to inscribe that 10 megabyte JPEG, JPEG on chain. And you know what? It's impossible because on Bitcoin, the protocol only allows four megabyte blocks. So only four megabytes can be written to a block at any one point in time. So there's a limitation of capacity there. Ethereum, on the other hand, could technically do it if it had an off-chain reference. So you could upload that 10 megabyte image to a IPFS link, a third-party uh, storage somewhere, and then link to it in your in your collection, in your piece, on in your Ethereum NFT that links to it. And as so far as long as that link is up and that server is still alive that is holding that 10 JPEG image, 10 megabyte JPEG image, then you're good. For most people, though, they prefer it to be on chain because they feel like that's more secure, that's more timeless. Like, I mean, how many times have we gone to, to websites where the hosting is no longer being paid for and it just goes down? So I don't have to say much more about that. I think it's pretty clear that on-chain is usually more desirable for certain things than others, art being one of them. Now, there are aspects and trade-offs where this isn't the case, but in most art cases, people would rather have it to be on-chain. The last, or one of the last things that I'll speak about with regards to the differences are fees and gas. So the gas model on Ethereum is totally dependent on network utilization and pretty much the same on Bitcoin. This just the fees are calculated differently. On Bitcoin, it's calculated per uh, the number of sats, which is the, 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 the smallest unit on Bitcoin, which is a hundred millionth of a Bitcoin. So it's a Satoshi. Uh, that's the same Satoshi that gets assigned an ID by the ordinal theory. So uh, there are is there are fees if you go to like mempool.space, you'll see that uh, the current gas fee of the Bitcoin networks is priced in sats per virtual byte. So if you wanted to upload 300 kilobytes on chain, then you just would need to multiply that by the number of sats per vbyte that the currently is is being paid for to miners, um, and that's another major difference is that the Bitcoin network is a proof of work system where it's being paid for by miners, and the Ethereum network is a proof of stake where um, people who hold Ethereum get paid to produce those blocks and. Yeah, there's still a gas scenario on on Ethereum. Depending on network utilization, you would have to pay a network demand. You would have to pay a premium if the network is severely congested versus uh, very idle. So there is a big difference there in terms of sometimes the network can be over overwhelmed and then the gas fees would be super high. It's the same on Bitcoin and Ethereum. So that in that in that scenario, they're both uh, fairly the same cost-wise. I haven't experienced it where there's a huge price discrepancy on either network. I think it's roughly comparable to each other. One thing that Ethereum has that Bitcoin doesn't 
is interoperability, meaning the Ethereum blockchain and the NFTs that it's created, which is the ERC-721 standard and the ERC-1155 standard, that's like a standard of writing data on chain that essentially tells everybody that this is an NFT and this is the format of it. It's like a, a standard that you would encode any other medium with, like a DVD or a Blu-ray or or anything. Here is an ERC-721 standard. Here's an 1155 standard. Now, other protocols have gone on to use that standard. For example, the Polygon network has gone on to use that standard. There's chains in the crypto industry that have gone on to use that standard. ERC-721, and they call it different names that are, but essentially it's a it's called an EVM chain, and that would be roughly the same as an ERC-721 standard, and thus providing Ethereum with a lot more interoperability in terms of potential bridging. Nobody is guaranteeing that you'd be able to use one network and transfer from one network to the other, except for certain cases like Polygon and Ethereum. You can definitely bridge there. However, there are certain chains which, even though they operate on the same standard, you probably wouldn't be able to bridge there. Uh, the bridge has to be set up. But it's a it's closer to getting there if it's on the same NFT standard. Bitcoin currently doesn't have that. It's ecosystem is a lot newer, but I could foresee that in the future there would also be bridges coming up for wherever that needed to be bridged to. So that's all I would say. So far, the last thing is that the popularity and adoption of both NFTs have been, I would say, viral from end of 2020 when Ethereum NFTs blew up to this year, 2023, which where, where Bitcoin NFTs ordinals have blown up uh, in terms of popularity, different use cases, different user bases, different values. And I hope that I've taken the time and I've explained the major differences so that you can consume that in a short manner. Thanks for joining me and thanks for listening to the episode. Please share with your friends it's a quick listen uh, to come up on everything up to speed on NFTs. And we talk technology. Don't be afraid of the name. I've kept the name NFT hype only ironically because when I launched this podcast, it was actually before the hype. It wasn't meant to be a negative term. It just meant to be an ironic term. So anybody who's interested in NFT technology and understanding the, tech, the, the, the aspects behind it that can help them adopt this technology or learn more about it, please share this podcast. Thanks for joining.